Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of When in Spain. I'm Paul Birch. A warm welcome. In this episode, I'll be talking all about El Camino de Santiago. Yes, I'm sure many of you have heard of uh, El Camino de Santiago, uh, an ancient uh, pilgrim route uh, across the north of Spain, uh, terminating in the city of Santiago de Compostela and the uh, final stop, the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela. Although the Camino has been a pilgrimage route for more than a thousand years, it's still incredibly popular today um, for people coming from really all over the world to walk the famous route. Now, there are uh, numerous routes which I'll be talking about in this episode. And to give us all a really good insight into El Camino de Santiago, I've enlisted the help of Adrian Flood. You meet fascinating characters from all over the world um, and you can walk, as I did, with a CEO of a Korean company, multi-billionaire, but I mean, he still had to find a bed, the same as I did. You know, there was no chauffeur-driven cars. He was walking the same path as me. Adrian has walked El Camino de Santiago no fewer than seven times. So he's very well placed to talk about all of his experiences of walking the Camino. Uh, he's going to be sharing some of his tips and advice. And we're going to be talking about the numerous different routes. During the episode, Adrian's also going to be telling us about how his many Caminos inspired him to set up something called Soul Camino. Uh, Soul Camino is a spiritual retreat which is based along the Camino de Santiago that Adrian runs as well. So just a bit of background to El Camino de Santiago before we get into the interview with Adrian. Um, well, as I said, it's been a pilgrimage route for more than a thousand years. And while there is evidence that there was a route here in pre-Christian times, way back in the 8th century, and uh, there are many theories, but it's thought that this ancient route followed the Milky Way to what people believed at the time was the end of the Earth. As many of you may well know, uh, the top west corner of Spain the region is called Galicia, but the very western edge that sticks out into the Atlantic Ocean is also known as Finisterre. Now, Finisterre means, well, in Spanish, the nearest translation will be, I suppose, Fin de la Tierra, literally translates as end of the earth, where people believed that there was nothing more beyond that western tip of Spain, just endless ocean. So why did it become a pilgrimage route? Well, according to uh, Christianity, one of the original 12 apostles, uh, Santiago or St. James, helped to spread the Christian religion throughout the Iberian Peninsula. And one theory says that when he died, his body was put in a boat uh, which landed on the coast of Spain, just west of where Santiago de Compostela uh, is situated today. Another theory maintains that his body was found by a Galicia 
Christian farmer near the town of Padron, uh, many centuries later. But either way, it's said that uh, King Alfonso II ordered that the relics be buried in a specially built chapel, and that chapel would later become the Santiago de Compostela Cathedral. So the Camino continued to grow and grow in popularity during the Middle Ages, and uh, pilgrims every year started uh, following and tracing the route to the uh, cathedral in Santiago de Compostela. And so it became one of the three most popular Christian pilgrimages, the other two being to Jerusalem and Rome. So how were these routes created? Well, many believe it was simply a case of word of mouth. Pilgrims exchanging tips and information about different routes to take and advice about which towns and villages to stop off along the way, as indeed is the case today with modern walkers making numerous stops in towns and villages on their Camino. In more modern times, the Camino really sort of dwindled in popularity and it wasn't really until the 1980s or indeed the early 1990s that really people rediscovered uh, the way of St. James, uh, partly down to a renewed effort to mark uh, the Camino with special signposts. And really the person responsible for this was a priest from the Galician village of O Cabrero, uh, whose name was Father Elias Valinha, and he decided that it was important to really start marking the ways uh, clearly to help people follow the route to Santiago de Compostela. And uh, they chose a yellow scallop shell on a blue background, um, again, which I'm sure many of you have probably seen at least photos of. And this allowed pilgrims to easily find the way. Uh, why did they choose a scallop shell symbol for the Camino? Well, it's believed that the scallop shell became a symbol of the Camino because many would walk beyond Santiago de Compostela right to the coast uh, where it's believed that uh, the body of St. James was said to have arrived by boat and many pilgrims would actually pick up a shell on the beach to prove that they had completed the journey and walked all the way to the ocean. That's a little bit of background. Uh, in a second, we'll hear from Adrian Flute. Before we get into that, just a couple of uh, quick announcements to make. Uh, when in Spain has two new patrons helping support the show by making small donations. Uh, so a big thank you to Art Man and also to Coco Mongio. I hope I've pronounced your uh, name correctly there. So a big thanks to Art and Coco for making uh, small regular donations to keep the show going. And if anyone else enjoys When in Spain, as I always say, and I don't want to bore you too much with it, um, but it really does make a big difference. If you'd like to support When in Spain, by making small donations, uh, one or two dollars, whatever you feel for you, the show or each episode is worth. You can do so on the crowdfunding website called patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com forward slash when in Spain will take you to the when in Spain page. And once you land on that page, it's all very self-explanatory. When in Spain currently has 19 patrons supporting the show. My target is 50 patrons. If we can get 50 patrons making small contributions to help cover my costs in producing the show, then that would be amazing. So just before we get into the interview with Adrian Flute, just a reminder that at the end of the episode, I will be sharing a little bit of specific vocabulary, all to do with walking and walking El Camino, in my new segment called Como se dice? How do you say? So without further ado, here is Adrian talking El Camino. 
Adrian, thanks for joining the When in Spain podcast today. Very welcome. To kick it off, today we're talking about the uh, Camino de Santiago, very famous pilgrim route since medieval times. I guess guess from about the 9th century really, but it really was more developed I think in the sort of 10th, 11th century uh, with uh, the King of Asturias, I guess is the easiest way to term him, uh, and his uh, devotion to to Santiago, to St. James. And obviously from that it's developed with uh, uh, St. James being the patron saint, saint of Spain. Now you walked the Camino for the first time seven years ago, 2000. Yeah, 2012. Uh, I walked in in May. Uh, actually, May May the 11th. I started uh, on the Camino. It's one of those dates that's ingrained in your in your mind. Absolutely, because actually, if anybody who kind of knows anything about, firstly, uh, Spanish football history, uh, on May the 9th, I think it was, there was the uh, Atleti Madrid and Atletico Bilbao match in the Copa del Rey, uh, where Atletico Madrid won 3-0 and they scored three goals in the first six minutes, I think. And I happened to be in Bilbao at the time, so. I, it is something that's ingrained on my memory but the Camino is like that you you never forget you never forget that those first uh, sort of weeks or days uh, on the Camino yeah tell me what kind of impact did it have on you uh, that first Camino incredible impact I mean in the sense that pretty much nothing was the same afterwards and um, I started walking uh, mid-May uh, well yes early May and 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 it was a bit of a scorcher so I found out very quickly uh, what it was like to trudge through the Spanish uh, con- campo the countryside and uh, found very quickly what it was like to be part of um, an institution almost. Um, the thing with Camino is um, there are kind of three levels with Camino. You kind of walk and commune in, in the sense of communing with yourself. Um, you are alone with your thoughts. Um, you're also uh, communing with nature, with the environment around you. So you, you spend a, a lot of time um, you know, in, in solitary thought, but also uh, in embracing uh, the wind, the rain, uh, the sun, uh, the cold, you know, the everything really, the whole environment, the whole landscapes. And also you're communing with the other people, you're sharing a space, not just with the people that are currently walking the Camino, but the people who walked the Camino a thousand years ago. Because really, you're walking the same path, you're sharing um, the same earth. Um, and you, it, the, the, the enormity of that when you really think about it, it never goes away and 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 that's why i think camino has always and all will always be an incredibly moving experience whether you're spiritual whether you 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 believe or don't whether you have faith or not um the the mere fact that you if you walk from start to finish the mere fact um that you have completed this journey that thousands of years of of history and millions of people have walked this route uh, it's it's just an incredible experience now uh, you through that uh, experience and that connection with the camino set up something called soul camino which is walking retreats that you organize and run we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast uh, for people who are maybe contemplating uh, doing the camino for the first time what kind of practical advice would you give? Because, well, before we talk about that even, the numbers of people now walking the Camino have grown hugely uh, in the last 20, 25 years or so, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, really, the, the Camino lost its way, I guess, you know, <laughs> ironically lost its way, but uh, in the in the sort of 60s and 70s. I mean, obviously, you have to imagine, you have to kind of remember the history of Spain. And, you know, so uh, it was perhaps a little bit more difficult to access uh, for foreigners, 
people uh, outside of Spain. Obviously, Spain perhaps nev never lost the Camino. There will always be a few hundred or a few thousand people walking per year. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of lost its its um, its recognition during the 70s and 80s, and then it was really in the early 90s uh, that it picked up again. And it was really down to one or two people. There was a, a, a Galician priest uh, who um, really took took it took it upon himself to promote and reconnect people with the Camino, uh, improving the way marking, which is a big thing. Obviously, uh, when you're walking long distances, you need to know where you're going, and obviously the very very recognisable yellow arrows uh, on the Camino uh, were dwindling. You know, they, they'd faded over the 20, 30 years of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and uh, and and with repainting those, literally going out there and, and putting fresh markers down, uh, people began to. Um, you know, find their way again. And it was really that renaissance came and it was built upon. Um, there has obviously been a little bit of uh, uh, help from um, Hollywood, you know, with the film uh, the, the Way. Uh, which really helped, uh, sort of certainly in the in the tw uh, 2010s uh, and and in this in this decade. Uh, but it, it was it was it was really sort of a renaissance came 90s and the early 2000s. That's right, because there were uh, there were also uh, there have been and I've read a couple of them numerous <laughs> books written about uh, people's personal experiences of work of, of walking uh, the Camino as well, right? I mean, one of those books was by a German author uh, Jacob's Way, and and that really helped to uh, raise awareness of Camino. Um, but also, um, there have, uh, I think his book was about walking with a donkey. Uh, you know, I chose not to walk with a donkey. Uh, but there, there's been yeah, lots of sort of uh, literature. And, and really, in a sense, it, it is this, um, it's actually a gift for writers in some ways. Because you have these opportunities to walk alone and, and you know, work through your plot lines. And, you know, and you meet fascinating characters. I mean, that's one of the other thing about Camino is the variety uh, and just the incredible richness of the characters that walk Camino. Uh, I mean, literally um, from all over the world. Um, and you can walk as I did with a CEO of a Korean company, uh, you know, who was, you know, multi-billionaire, but I mean, he still had to find a bed, the same as I did. Uh, you know, there was no chauffeur-driven cars. Uh, he was walking the same, in the, you know, in the same path as me, uh, bearing the same burdens, uh, having to, you know, stay in the shade and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so that, it just shows the real uh, connection that uh, you can develop with these people and, and yeah. the people you meet. I imagine it's a real, it's a real leveller because everyone is, doesn't matter like you said whether you're a CEO of a multinational yeah. company or you're just an average Joe or yeah. whoever, it's a real leveller. Everyone who's walking that route is in the same boat, in the same situation. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, the bottom line is you have to find food, you have to find shelter um, and you have to walk. Nobody is going to carry you. I have met a few, uh, I guess you would call them Torigrinos, uh, you know, which is often a pejorative term but um, you know everybody's Camino is their Camino I mean that's one of the things that uh, is, is is certainly uh, I suppose one of the mantras of the Camino is is it's your Camino uh, nobody should tell you how to do it and I have you know as I say I met a, a couple that would sort of take a taxi to the next town and and get to the bar first and have a few drinks and sleep it off in the afternoon uh, you know and enjoy large meals and you know they, they did a few kilometers the next morning uh, but you know you'd see them how did you get here so quickly you know kind of thing uh so yeah it's it but it but but really it's it is a leveler i mean you really have to do it for yourself some people do the sort of camino light option <laughs>
I was doing a little bit of research on the internet looking at the reasons nowadays why people uh, decide to, to, to walk the Camino. And, well, probably not, not really surprising the figures that I found. Only really nowadays 28% of walkers do the Camino for religious reasons. But about 30%, the largest percentage of walkers, according to this uh, various bits of research I looked at, um, do it for a challenge. They do it for some kind of challenge. Um, and then about 20% of walkers do it as a way of disconnecting from modern life, disconnecting from technology, uh, getting away uh, and connecting with nature, really. Exercise was, uh, I think, about 10%. And then, and then I think... Uh, about 15% of people for meeting people, the social aspect of it. Was that, would that kind of chime with your experience? Yeah, I, I think that's a, fair, that's a fair reflection in those figures of what, uh, what you, you, you encounter talking to people. And that's one of the things, Paul, that you talk to people. And it's one of the most moving experiences sometimes because you'll, you'll just arrive next to somebody uh, and you'll say, you know, buenos dias or hi, how are you doing? Or buen camino. I mean, there are various ways of greeting people and you hear buen camino, buen camino everywhere, you know. And, and it's amazing how open people feel they can be with their fellow peregrinos, their fellow pilgrims. Um, I remember meeting a couple of South African uh, guys uh, uh, who were uh, prostrate on the ground having reached the first... Well, they were like within four hours of leaving Leon, uh, and they they couldn't hack it. It was their first day, and they were absolutely shattered. And uh, you know, encouraging them uh, to you know, come on, guys, we can get to the albergue, we can get to there's a bar in the next village, you know, and and you know, managed to get them on their feet and walking and stuff. A really really nice guys. Again, CEO uh, guy called Gary, CEO of a big company in in South Africa, and a professor of business, you know, business and business ethics, uh, Van Art fascinating guys you know um and um got them to the pub uh we had a couple of uh canyas and then uh, carried on our walk to the next uh, albergue and in that in that time um we we talked about um, all, all sorts of things and really you know they were very open about why they were doing it um mainly to get fit uh and uh because of the experience and also to tie in because they wanted to escape they wanted to get away from the sort of the the hustle and bustle of daily life and get into a rhythm and that's the thing with Camino you find rhythm you know you you do find routine in fact sometimes there is pleasure in routine you know you you go to bed at uh, sort of nine o'clock uh, you get up at 6 a.m. Uh, you walk um, you you stop you change your socks and 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 uh, you know you, you give your feet a rest for a, a half an hour you have a cup of coffee uh, you put your boots back on you keep walking and then you stop for you know and, and it is that routine and people find some solace in that routine I find that, that makes sense an escape from their their usual routine yeah. which may not be so enjoyable <laughs> and more complicated and more stressful uh, but, but also the people I think you know like I say I think that really ties in with the figures your research you know is pretty accurate there is a spiritual element to the Camino and whether it's religion or spirituality I mean that's your choice I mean that's really up to you nobody is pejorative nobody says or well, anything you know in terms of why you're doing it and you do see the odd flagellation going on you know you do see the odd uh, sort of guy in in in, in a in in a hair shirt, um, you know, literally beating themselves. I mean, and they are doing. It. I've seen um, a guy walking across. You know, has a carrying a cross, uh, a huge cross uh, with a little wheel on the end. You know, I mean, he's not dragging it through the dirt. You know, because he wants to protect the Camino, but he is literally. You know, um, it is a pilgrimage. It is 
you know, a, 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 a some I, I, I call it a sacrifice, but it is a, a sacrifice because you are, you know, finding um, it a challenge, and that challenge really comes through. So again, that ties in challenging. Um, there is a spiritual element to it. Um, there's a fitness element to it. Um, there's a definitely a community, a communing element to it. It's 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 all sorts. You know, it's a, really interesting. I want to talk a bit about spirituality. Uh, a bit later in the podcast and a bit about again your soul camino and the personal transformation projects you you run and and kind of how that set up and because you you've walked the camino not just once but how many times uh, seven seven caminos i've done yeah seven seven one of them a bit shorter uh, not the full camino but uh, i've seven of the caminos so i've done the francés twice uh, the inglés uh, the portuguese uh, the norte uh, i've done the sanabres but primitivo and that and that actually is one of the hardest ones i'm glad you said that actually because um, i wanted to before we talk about uh, the, the kind of spirituality and the personal side of the Camino. Let's go back and talk about some practical advice for people thinking about doing the Camino for the first time. And I'm kind of glad you mentioned those different routes that you've you've walked, because there are numerous different routes. And as you mentioned, I think I've got them written down here. Um, you've got the Camino Frances, uh, which starts up in Arles or Le Poy, Paris, etc. You've got the Camino uh, Primitivo, which starts, I believe, up in Oviedo, around there. Uh, you've got the Camino Portugues, which obviously starts down in Portugal and can start down in Lisbon or um, a bit further up in Porto, yeah. And then you've got the Camino del Norte, which is from Irún or San Sebastián, more or less, yeah. Is there any particular route someone should think about doing? Is there like a route which is a bit easier on the feet? Is there a route which is more beautiful? Is there a route which is better suited to first-time people walking the Camino? I'll go back to what I said before. It's your Camino. You have to choose. But yes, for me personally, having experienced a pretty good range of Caminos, they all have uh, positive and, and, and I wouldn't say negative, but they all have their own challenges. Let's put it that way. Um, the Frances is like a motorway. I mean, you know, it really is like getting on the M25 in some respects, uh, you know, rush hour on a, on a Friday afternoon, uh, or the M- M30 here, or the M30 here, you know. Um, and, and, and that doesn't appeal to everybody. If you're looking for solitude, then obviously you should pick another Camino. If you're looking to be alone and walk very much alone, and probably the Primitivo is one of the uh, accessible in terms of it's, it's a bit more challenging because you're, you're, you've got a little bit more mountainous, you know, it's a little bit harder, a bit more up and down, as we would say, uh, but you'll have fewer people, much fewer people. But then you have to appreciate there are fewer facilities as well. So it depends how much of a challenge you want. You know, do you want to have a more uh, challenging walk and a bit more challenging finding sort of uh, without booking ahead but finding impromptu places to stay uh, and see fewer people if so choose the probably the primitivo if you want uh, very b- lots of people lots of options lots of bars lots of restaurants lots of albergues uh, lots of chatter lots of uh, you know uh, life around you then the frances is the one to choose um, because it is the the easily the most popular one that's walked because of the facilities you know uh, the portuguese for me and it's the one we do with sol camino is is probably one of the most beautiful i mean for me it's much more picturesque uh, and also it's it's a little less challenging the route we walk um, is the sort of central route the inland route but we have I have walked the the coastal route which is it, it can can be challenging at times uh, but you've got the sea and you have the beauty of that 
And again, of course, the Camino Norte, because it follows the, the northern coast. I mean, you're going through Santander, um, you're going all the way through the coast of be- beautiful coastal um, villages. Um, you go through Gijón, so you're going to have lots of cider when you get there. And of course, you, you know, and you're into Galicia. And of course, the beauty and the greenery. And uh, the one thing you notice, um, a bit of a spoiler alert here, is the smell of eucalyptus that you, 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 that you get when you enter Galicia. Not, not a native species uh, to Galicia. But you will, if you walk it, you will smell it, and really, it beca- it's it's quite surprising. So um, every route offers something. In terms of um, you know how should you prepare. Um, well, obviously, a decent pair of boots, uh, sh- uh, shoes, sandals, whatever you feel most comfortable in. Make sure you walk in them beforehand, bed them in. Make sure that uh, you know they're, they're they're a good fit and they work well for you. Um, the rest of it is really up to personal choice. My feeling is, uh, and I have a couple of different rucksacks. Um, I you know without. I like Osprey because uh, for me they have a good range and I have three Osprey bags and I pick and choose which one I use depending on the length of Camino I'm walking. You know, a few days, smaller backpack, don't need so much stuff. Uh, if you're walking a through route, 28 days, one month, even, you know, two months, um, then you need to carry a lot more stuff with you uh, and uh, the bigger pack helps. But it has to fit well because there's nothing worse than having back pain, backache uh, and, you know, sores from carrying a, a heavy rucksack. Pack it correctly that's another thing um, you don't really need much waterproof so a, a small waterproof would be useful um, and and really uh, yeah a bit of trail mix keep you keep you going but uh, depending on which route there's Frances is a shop every you know 250 meters so you know I won't worry too much about that uh, but yeah there's there are certain things that you definitely have some people use sticks personally I don't um, good sun hat you know sunglasses you know protection from the sun uh, you know just the the general kind of equipment uh, but just feel comfortable but I think it doesn't really matter nobody's judging you for what you're wearing I mean you see these kitted out uh, people that look like you know they've just walked off Everest or something and then you see these uh, kind of want you know want a better word the hippies who are you know wearing sort of you know pretty ragged clothing Um, and I've seen guys walking in crocs for example you know yeah and uh, I was like wow okay and he said well yeah but it it, it works for me so really is whatever works for you whatever feel you feel comfortable in but just make sure that it's going to get you to the end and that's the point that's the objective um is there a particular time of year that people should consider walking uh, i would call the shoulder seasons uh you know july august uh, you've got to be a, a slightly mad to walk in july and august in certain routes uh certainly on the via de plata for example through Cáceres, through extremadura um, because it's, it's a killer you know i mean really is so hot i mean you've got temperatures up potentially um you know mid 30s uh, low 40s so uh that that is tough I tend to think that uh, spring and autumn are the best seasons. Um, I mean, even Galithia will rain. It it can be mid-August and it can rain, so it doesn't really matter in that sense. Uh, but again, depending on which Camino, uh, obviously um, Spain is a very mountainous country. Of lot, you know, it's 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 the second mountainous, most mountainous country in Europe after Switzerland. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna be at altitude, whatever. And the thing is. It's temperature, really. It's dehydration. There's, the, you know, there's water fountains periodically, so you can rehydrate, which is essential. Um, so, but for me, um, you know, beautiful months are perhaps April, May. Uh, very very nice you know it's good walking temperatures 18 19 degrees got a bit of sun and then obviously october september october again the other side you know going into autumn again beautiful temperatures uh you get longish days you know pretty good days uh and um it's less crowded 
you know it's funnily enough because not many people have the opportunity to walk in those times so they tend to walk a little bit more in the summer months and and you know uh, that's the ones i would avoid to avoid the crowds maybe and to avoid the temperatures when you planned your Caminos, and let's maybe thinking of the first one, did you kind of have an objective of how many kilometres or miles you were planning to walk each day? And is this important? Is this something people should try and do and say they should have an objective every day? Today I'm going to walk 30 kilometres, or today I'm going to work 15 or 10 or whatever it may be. Yeah. Again, meeting so many people talking this through, I mean, this is something, you know, uh, they talk about, and I met somebody once who said, uh, Adrian, what are you running away from? <laughs> You're moving at such a pace. And I said, I'm not running away from anything anything and she said okay well what are you running to then because you're moving at such a pace well, I'm not running towards anything I'm going to Santiago it's like uh, well you know why are you moving so fast and I had it re- I reflected that that night I sat down and I thought why am I walking 25 30 k's a day you know why do I need to do this and and the point is what tends to happen is people buy a guidebook and the guidebook works in stages. So you have etapa, stage one, and stage 31, for example, on the Frances. And everybody walks from the beginning of one stage to the end, and then they all stay in the same place. And people tend to do that, you know. And, and, and for me, that, that, that kind of kills it slightly. What I would do is I would kind of walk a short stage one day and then walk a bit longer, but mid-stage to mid-stage. Or how you really should do Camino is walk until you feel like you do not want to walk any further and then just stop yeah one day on on the Camino I walked three kilometers I walked from the one village to the next village sat down had a cup of coffee did a bit of reading thought oh it's quite nice here I think I'll stop for lunch had some nice lunch little siesta in the afternoon and then thought oh I can't be bothered to walk any further now and you know it was such a nice little village just hung out stayed in the albergue and moved on the next day so um, alternatively I have walked a 55 60 kilometer day which is insane I mean even for me it was insane but I wanted to beat the heat and I was walking in June and it was so hot and I walked through the night and I walked more or less a double stage, uh, one stage during the day and then the next stage during the night. I was absolutely shattered by the end of it. Uh, and I actually checked into a hotel in Lyon uh, and had a spa for a day <laughs> so to get over it. Uh, but it was another experience. Again, something uh, that you, you have to experiment. You have to find your pace. So there is no hard and fast rule. Just make sure you get there in good health and stay healthy on the way. Talking about accommodation then, a few more little practicalities. Um, You mentioned albergues, which are kind of little hostels, I suppose. Um, And I guess they cater specifically for the walkers of the the Camino. Tell us a little bit about how that works, how you book in. And and also, uh, I think something that people are very aware of, uh, which is kind of quite iconic of the walk, is the little passport you get, which I believe is called a credencial. And you get this little passport and you get it stamped in various stops along the way uh, in, I guess, albergues in I don't know if you get stamps in restaurants and bars and that kind of thing Um, talk us a bit more through that well the credential or the pilgrim passport is essential it really is your document your travel document Um, you know you need your regular passport but you know you really need the pilgrim passport a bit a bit uh, a bit more uh, because uh, it is your access to the albergue network effectively yes you can get it stamped in the albergue you would do when you stay in the albergue for the night they'd stamp it uh, for you and then the next day and en route you can have it you can stamp it anywhere Um, you know I've seen uh, pilgrim passports that are absolutely you know full and then I've just seen the ones with the albergues you know so 
It is important in the last stages of the Camino, probably the last 100Ks, to get at least two stamps a day just to show that you have walked the, uh, the, the, the last 100Ks, which is, which is where you get your Compostela, so you get your certificate of walking at the end. So that's very important to do. So, you, yeah, I was reading about this. You, you have to have walked uh, a, a minimum, well, 100 kilometres in order to be eligible to receive the kind of certificate which you get uh, in uh, Santiago de Compostela, which is like says you have officially walked the Camino. So there are two certificates, um, which is a new thing. Uh, when I first walked, there was only one, and that was the, um, you know, the Compostela. And the Compostela is uh, sort of handwritten, and it, it, it gives information about sort of uh, the, the route that you walked and the distance. There's also a distance certificate as well, which is a new thing, which is I kind of, I don't know why they introduced it. I guess was, there was a demand for it. So you get two. Well, you have to sort of pay, pay, for, pay for the second one. But, you know, it's not much, a couple of euro. Um, and uh, that's, that's an essential. I mean, for that, that's a, it's a certificate of recognition that you have, you know, you have done the pilgrimage. In terms of the albergue, just to go back to that, um, yeah, um, they, they, they're donativo, meaning you know you can donate. Uh, I was, if it's donativo, I always give five euro minimum. I think it's it's essential to to maintain and support these. Um, there are private albergues, there are municipal albergues. They all differ in size, number of beds, cleanliness, you know, which is some sometimes can be an issue. Uh, the facilities that they offer. It's a huge variety, and the and, and the more popular Camino has become, the more albergues there has been uh, in, uh, created. They rise up in in places. Um, I have friends that run albergues, um, and they ha- offer you know a whole variety of food options. Uh, there's a local bars where you eat. Um, the beds are uh, bunk beds, single rooms, double rooms, triple rooms. You know the the, the variety is huge. They're in old old um, in in old farm buildings. They're in modern buildings in 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 towns um they're they're casa rurales they're, they're they're all kinds of places it really is a smorgasbord of opportunities uh to stay in in a whole variety of places people have their favorites they say every time i walk in i go there i love it and i i, I look forward to seeing the people who run the albergues every time i was a hospitalario i was a volunteer for six or eight weeks in an albergue and i i received many many pilgrims and uh, I, I it's a it's again a very rewarding experience facilitating accommodation services for you know dedicated pilgrims and uh, just one more note on the sort of practicalities with the albergues um, I mean I imagine do you have to book ahead or is it kind of luck of the draw do you just turn up and hope there's space or how does that work okay well again it depends which Camino uh, you know there is uh, this this idea that you're racing for a bed you know from albergue to a albergue and if you don't get there by opening time for the albergue normally around two o'clock you won't get a bed I've never not had a bed uh, I've always managed to find something even if it's meant walking a little bit extra uh, which is fine that's uh, that's what you're there to do remember is to walk you know if you can't sleep walk uh, you know and don't try not to sleepwalk uh, you know <laughs> but say, yeah. uh, uh, it's 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 it, it can be a challenge sometimes uh, because there are um, so many more people walking now but again facilities are improving the the, the key is uh, is about planning and um, there are apps now on your phone i mean disconnecting is one thing but you know uh, making sure you have a bed is another uh, which you can use to book ahead obviously it's booking.com and all these different you know kind of websites sure. so there is a lot of opportunity but most people 
if you just go with the flow, you'll find something. And, that, and that, for me, that's a lot more rewarding than planning every step and every bed and, and, and you know, every moment. We're going to eat in this restaurant and we're going to sleep in this bed and we're going to walk this distance. Just go with the flow, I find. Go with the flow. Déjate llevar. Let's go back then and I would like to talk about Soul Camino. And like you said earlier um the first camino you walked had a really big impact on you i guess kind of in a spiritual way and you walked many more caminos after that and then you uh, set up an organization or it's it's uh it's a personal transformation retreat uh i mean it's based around the camino santiago obviously yeah. uh because the as a as a metaphor as a vehicle uh, for personal transformation the camino is absolutely ideal uh i really don't think you walk camino uh and get to the end and you're the same person i really think you transform um because of the experiences that you you gather along the route uh and for us it was a metaphor and i'm talking about us myself and my partner Teresa ong who who is a, a clinical hypnotherapist and a practitioner uh with tantric uh practices and a whole different host of modalities uh which we incorporate into soul camino to provide not just a walking retreat but at the end we have the opportunity to do a three four day retreat uh in a, a private location where we uh, give you the opportunity through further workshops uh, to integrate all the things that you've experienced and learned about not just yourself but other people uh, during your Camino. And we really take those practices like to the next level in the, in the, in the residential retreat, so to speak. So it's a, it's a, holy, uh, a whole opportunity for people to experience personal transformation look for perhaps things like their life purpose you know they have issues um, uh, in their life um, they have recurring issues um, that they want to resolve um, they're looking for direction um, they're seeking and searching something which is uh, answers is often the way people suggest you know uh, because they they start the Camino uh, or they start the soul Camino with questions and they're looking for answers now we don't give you the answers the answers are already inside of you you have the answers you just need to know how to get to them and that whole walking experience and then the 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 kind of residential retreat experience gives you the tools to find the answers not immediately necessarily but certainly to go out after the Camino and after the retreat with the right tools to continue your practice to continue your search and to find um, you know what you're looking for self-improvement personal transformation a direction, love, um, you know, career, whatever it is, we can help you to do that. We can help you uh, holistically to do that. And for people potentially interested in taking part in one of your retreats, um, how often do you run them and are there specific times of year when, uh, when they take place? Yeah, as I said before, really walking the Camino in the summer is, is a bit of a nightmare, uh, not just because of the crowds, but also because of the, um, the, the accommodation uh, and also because of the weather. So we do our kind of Caminos in the shoulder seasons. So we're, we're, we, and we also um, try and work with the moon, the moon phases as well so we're, and the equinoxes. So the, the next Camino we're doing is in, in October and this is around the autumn equinox. Obviously, this is a very powerful and spiritual moment uh, in the cycle of the planet and um, we we use that and we leverage that energy that sort of uh, natural energy uh, earth energy um, to try and facilitate as much change as possible 
the equinox is a point of change and that is the point of the Camino. We, we, you know, we, we're, we're talking here about transformation and we're moving and transitioning from one phase of the earth cycle to the next and, and that really is the key. So October is the next one, uh, 18th to the 28th uh, and, and that's a very special one because that's actually what we call our healers masterclass and, 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 and it's where you can access specialist healers uh, who are involved in, in sound uh, healing, sound therapy, uh, gong shows and gong baths if, if, if you want to google that you know uh, you can see plenty of stuff on the internet and on YouTube about what a gong bath is an incredible experience sound and, and, and energy and, and sound waves and resonance I mean you know we vibrate you know as humans we are we're vibrational machines you know and our atoms our very mole molecular structure vibrates so we are susceptible to vibrations uh, so that's really interesting we've got mindfulness which is kind of you know a little bit of a light version of of the stuff we do uh, but also uh, we, we're looking at Reiki and other modalities, other practices that we incorporate. So that's a very special one uh, that we're doing this year. Next year we have, uh, again, we're looking at March, April, May, um, some dates. We haven't fixed the dates just yet, but so we tend to do March, April, May, uh, probably a couple uh, next year, and then again in September, October. Again, around the equinoxes, you know, the changes in the seasons, but the better walking weather as well, and quieter. That makes sense. And for people who want to find out a bit more information about uh, Soul Camino, uh, where can they find it? Well, we've got a website which will give you some uh, information, uh, which is uh, soulcamino.com. Um, there are some information about the retreats, uh, information about myself and about Teresa and uh, our background. And, and also, uh, people can sort of sign up for a little bit of a newsletter. We can uh, then, uh, you can download or we'll send you um, a, a more detailed program around the retreats with a lot more explanation around the practices the workshops the daily workshops that we run and we meditate every day on the Camino we set intention uh, we eat together um, and we, we we really take care of everything I mean the only thing you have to do with Sol Camino is take care of yourself uh, and we're help there also to help you to do that as well so uh, you know it's a completely all-inclusive package um, and um, information on si uh, on the website um, there is uh, also some information on some various retreat booking sites which we're affiliated to uh, but you know get in touch and and we'll happily even have a phone call with you you know we're, we're happy to sit for 30 minutes and chat with you about anything you might want to know about Sol Camino no problem fantastic sounds great so I, I will uh, put a link in the show notes you. uh, to your website and uh, other information um, just to end one quote that kind of resonated with me and I haven't uh, I've never walked the Camino although it's something and I think a lot of people say this that I've been wanting to do for a very long time but I've, I've read books on the Camino and one quote that always sticks in my mind is uh, I can't remember the book now but I'll put a link in the show notes and the quote was the journey begins not when you begin the Camino but the journey begins when you you arrive in Santiago de Compostela yeah I, I certainly resonate with that yeah I mean life is a Camino I mean really you know the Camino is a metaphor for life you know it, it, it's a never-ending journey in some respects and and it does com continue and this is one of the things with Sol Camino because you know uh, as we say in our, in our, uh, our uh, website you know and, and, and our, our our view and our philosophy uh, and um, you know what really governs the way we do is is that we're really giving you uh, the opportunity to develop those tools to go forward in life and really then build and make the most of, of this time that you have um, and yes the, the journey does continue very very much uh, in earnest 
beyond the Camino. Um, the Camino is just the way to, in a way, break down those barriers to change. Um, it's a, a bit of a test of endurance in some respects, focus, it's a challenge. Um, you have to be very focused and dedicated and really want to do it. Uh, and then what you'll find is the transformation after the Camino, um, it kind of it kind of, I say in a way, haunts you, but you, you, you can't get it out of your system. And, and this is why I've walked so many Caminos, because I did the first one, and I just, it, the experience was so transformational. I just I got to do another one. I got, and it was literally the next year, and I pretty much walked a Camino every year since, and uh, actually two in one year, which was very challenging. Um, but, um, yeah, um, every Camino is different. Every experience is different. Every time you feel very different from doing it. But actually, if you can take those experiences into your everyday life, you, you, that that is such an improve. It improves significantly for you because you you just have a just a whole better outlook about things, uh, and things just are very different. Adrian, thank you so much for joining Wedding Spain today. Muchas gracias. De nada. Gracias a ti. So that's Adrian Flood. As we mentioned in the interview, Adrian organises transformation, spiritual retreats uh, all along the uh, Camino de Santiago. If you'd like more information about that, head over to his website called soulcamino.com, as in S-O-U-L, not the sole of your shoe. So just before we finish the episode, let's have a look at some useful vocabulary to do with walking in El Camino de Santiago in our little segment called Como Se Dice. So to start off with, and I guess this one is pretty obvious, um, El Camino. Well, El Camino just simply means the way, and sometimes it can mean the path as well, El Camino. Albergues, albergues, which are hostels, uh, small hostels, you've got albergue, and I would say that in cities the word hostal is probably more more common than albergue, and I'm thinking that albergues are probably more rural hostels or the kind of hostels you might find in small villages. The other word uh, which might mean a kind of guest house is a pension. Pension. The people who traditionally walked El Camino and indeed still walk the Camino today, if they are doing it for religious reasons, are obviously called pilgrims. And uh, Spanish for pilgrim is peregrino, peregrino. And the verb peregrinar means to make a pilgrimage. And we also have the noun peregrinación or peregrinaje, which means pilgrimage. The other important and curious thing that uh, Adrian and I talked about in the interview was something called La Credencial or La Credencial del Peregrino, which is like the pilgrim passport. So this is the little card that you get stamped along the way in various different places to kind of prove that you have actually walked uh, the route. So that's called La Credencial. And then when you arrive in Santiago de Compostela and you want to get your certificate, well, the certificate that you apply for using your credencial is called La Compostela. And that is like the, uh, the diploma that says you've actually walked uh, at least 100 kilometers of uh, the route. 
Marking the Camino along the way, there are little signs marked with little yellow arrows and also the famous scallop shell symbol. So yellow arrows, well, arrow is flecha. Flechas amarillas are the yellow arrows that mark the way. And your scallop shell is called la concha de vieira. Concha de vieira, uh, really common to find these uh, to eat in Galicia. Vieiras, absolutely delicious if you like seafood. As Adrian also mentioned, uh, some people choose to walk with uh, sticks to help them. Uh, They're called uh, baston, un baston. And there's also another word called bordon. Bordon has the same meaning as well. And you might say bastones de senderismo, which are like uh, walking sticks, especially designed for hiking. So more like maybe hiking sticks. Another piece of vocabulary that you might need or probably will need uh, when you're walking such huge distances is something called a botequín. Botequín. Botequín really are products from the pharmacy that you need for uh, blisters, sores, anything, any aches and pains, anything like that. And if you're sharing a dormitory in a hostel or a albergue, don't forget tapones. Tapones para los oídos. Now, tapones are earplugs because you never know who you're going to be sharing a room with. And you certainly don't want to be enduring someone's heavy snoring when you've got to get up early and walk many, many kilometers. So it might be best to ask, ¿Tú roncas? Do you snore? Yo no ronco. I don't snore. And a friendly greeting when you're walking El Camino would be Buen Camino. So there you go. There's a bit of como se dice, a little bit of uh, specific vocabulary. Just before I go, quick note to say uh, that When in Spain has a presence on all of the usual social media platforms. We have a active and friendly Facebook group uh, to join if you're interested in uh, talking to other When in Spain listeners and other Spain fans. And it's a place where you can share any uh, questions and content uh, uh, Spain related. So we'll leave it there. I have to say... Uh, the last week in Madrid has been unbearably hot as uh, many of you in the Facebook group may have seen we've had 40 40 plus degrees I don't know about 105 Fahrenheit you can probably hear it in my voice that I do feel a little bit weary Uh, fortunately it looks like uh, the forecast is predicting the temperatures are going to drop by some four or five degrees so only 35 or 36 celsius for the next couple of weeks but yeah it's been pretty pretty hot and pretty difficult to sleep so i do have to say i feel a little bit drowsy a little bit tired as you can probably hear in my voice so thank you for listening wherever you are in the world if you're a long time listener really big thanks for continuing to listen and follow the show if you're new to when in spain i hope you've enjoyed this episode if this happens to be the first episode you've stumbled across don't forget we've got uh, about 40 other episodes in the back catalogue all about spain and spanish culture and life and i will be back next week with a new episode of when in spain and i look forward to speaking to you then but until then hasta luego